This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. We like professional wrestling, too. This is Shake Them Ropes. I am Jeff Hawkins, along with Chris Novembrino. Uh, I am going to start with news about me. Quick health update. Uh, I am officially cancer-free. Uh, very happy and humbled by all the support I had these past few months. Feel a little... <laughs> Chris, I, I, I don't know about you, but when, when you hear... I mean, I, I will never be that guy who goes... I'm a cancer survivor, unless it's, of course, it's for comedy for this podcast, because I didn't go through like weeks of chemotherapy, you know, and ringing a bell and, and things like that. I, I, I just it it feels feels more like having skin cancer than anything. And you, those people can't call that. But uh, no, but but nevertheless, good health news for me. That's how I'm going to leave it as. That's great. That's that's really good. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Part of me though was going, man. You know, if I get chemo, I could get rid of all this body hair and be <laughs> Not to not to belittle people who have to go through this stuff. It was just one of those things where it's like, what am I gonna have to go through or whatnot? Uh, Chris has a hard out, so we need to uh, get going here. Uh, starting with the news, John Moxley, as we said at the end of last week, shake them ropes. Uh, a little bit more details, but he has re-signed with AEW for five years. In his contract, no more indie dates. That's the reason he uh, he he dropped, or he did not drop the title. Uh, did he have the GCW title? I don't remember, but basically uh, he won't be doing GCW or Defy or places like that anymore. Just their foreign partners like New Japan. So he has that in there, but five-year contract uh and moxley was working on kind of a handshake deal for the past couple months he could have appeared at wwe if he was sick of all the crap with punk and whatnot but uh your thoughts on this chris i I mean i think that the man should get paid uh and i think it's good to pay the man he's been (laughs) he's no he's been the anchor for that company here's here's my question is he the ace now of the company as opposed to say Oh, I don't know. One of the guys sitting at home or Hangman yes, or yes. Brian Danielson or something like that. Is he now I, I, the guy? If they had, I, you know, Danielson, I guess, is, is like a wear and tear sort of issue. Uh, like, you know, there, there's concerns about like, can he like hold up? If Danielson was in better shape, he'd be the ace for this company. Like, or, like not based off a of presentation or whatever, just like an, an all around who can be the best wrestler in this company? Like the most talented guys, Danielson. Okay, uh, well, but Moxley's Moxley's the guy. I'll finish the thought here. Moxley's yeah. the guy who has the hearts of the crowd and has been presented the most strongly and consistently. When I say ace, I don't necessarily mean the best wrestler. I mean the guy that you put at the center of all your advertising and you say this is our main main star here not that kenny isn't a main star or anything like that but it's it's one of those things where i mean who has been the face of of aew that and i don't know if if there's a definitive answer for that no and right now the way the show is being 
done, it almost feels like MJF is the face of AEW. And that is sort of like, it's an interesting question of like, do you want this guy to be like the face of the company? Yeah. Do you do like AEW starring John Moxley, much like, you know, a Cena or a Roman Reigns type thing. I know we don't like doing the one-to-one comparisons of companies because it's like, well, AEW should be the brand because it's the best wrestling. Well, wrestling doesn't work like that always. And it's, it's a very, usually very centered around who your top top guy holding the top belt is. I mean, that's, I mean, up until the last 20 years, that's how it always was. And it still is in some ways. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> thought you might have. I, I thought no. no, 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 I, yeah, I didn't have anything. Also signing with AEW, his wife, Renee Paquette. Now, this was a signing on the Dynamite show that I do over on Fight Game Media. I had to be talked into because I had, I had first said, well, what's the use of this? Because while she's very likable and while people, you know, wrestling fans really like her perkiness and stuff like that, I went, well, AEW has a lot of announcers that they're not using. For, for lack of a better term, or they have a lot of, they have a bloated roster of announcing talent on here with Lexi Nair and Alex Marvez and Shivani and Paul White and Mark Henry and occasionally Golden Boy and, you know, and, and Ian Riccoboni's coming in and, and all these, other, and it gets lost in the shuffle. But, um, you know, according to what, what my co-host there was saying, it's like, well, she, she brings a certain energy that the other, like just males don't have and a certain, gravitas that like Lexi Nair doesn't have and she'll be good on panel shows and my thinking was with this next story that I'll be bringing up about Discovery I always viewed her as more of a morning show host in terms of like local television (laughs) or like something like an Entertainment Tonight type of quote unquote journalist if you wanted to do it I I just didn't see wrestling her, her bringing a lot to the table because you can't but she can't really bring personality to wrestling per se. Cause it's usually about the wrestlers. If it was about her kind of like, I don't know if you know who, do you know who Maria, Maria Taylor is? If I said that no name. Okay. Well, a little bit of background. Maria Taylor was a host at ESPN and she wanted to do the NBA finals. And there was a big political struggle, including leaked audio. And, and she ended up in a bidding war and NBC bought her. And she's now on the Sunday night football show for NBC. But all she really does is throw it to the coaches or throw it to the people at the field. She She's not really her, her, her value to what she brings to the show in terms of Maria Taylor to me is, is overvalued. And that's what I was thinking for Renee Paquette, but I am perfectly willing to be wrong here. Is this a great hire for AEW, Chris? the stuff that renee did best on wwe television there isn't a real clean analog for with aew television like there's not like a talking smack because that's what she was really good at she she was very comfortable like basically doing like improv with the wrestlers as like an interview show as long as it was light when it got dark it got a little bit uncomfortable with renee at times, I thought. Um, but okay, I will, I will, I will let you hold that thought for a second because I'll read this next story. 
Kathleen Finch, the chairwoman and chief content officer for Warner Brothers Discovery, made what sounds like a major vote of confidence for AEW in a Hollywood Reporter interview. This is Dave Meltzer writing in the Wrestling Observer. She said they are looking at doing 4,000 hours of original content for their U.S. networks and are looking for new scripted series for TBS and TNT, as well as a new sports franchise that would work on those stations. She said, quote, we really play in the sports space. One of the things that we're doing around sports is creating shoulder programming to hold on to those fans. AEW pulls huge numbers, so we are working with the wrestling team to figure out what new kind of content we can build that's not in a wrestling ring. Now, hearing that, does this make it a better thing for Renee, who did plenty of these types of shows for the WWE Network. Because, like, what when you say that, what I think is, like, tough enough AEW edition. Okay. I was saying, you, you know, she had, that, she had that weird celebrity interview show where she was getting coffee with people. And she did for a little while on, on I believe, I believe it was on the WWE Network and may, or maybe it was Peacock. I can't remember if, if, if it was that long ago, but I mean, I'm, I'm more open to it. I think uh, I, I still think in the world of broadcasters like her, I, I thought Charlie Caruso was a little on the stronger side, to be honest with you, but she's more of a straight reporter versus a personality type. Like I could see her doing, basically what Jim Ross does now with the backs with, with the sit down interview type things. I think she'd be good at that. Yeah. And I think like, especially as a foil for heels where it's or like, she's almost like, like the female Tony Schiavone where it's like, everybody loves Tony. And like, yeah. when someone doesn't like Tony or that means they're a real dick, like, like Renee can maybe occupy that role. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I've warmed up to it a bit. And I think, I mean, and look, we know discovery plus loves repeatable, uh, disposable entertainment that they could just put on there. I mean, it, it, it's one of those things. If you put on any discovery network, it's, it's the same show 30 times a day. So it's going to be interesting what they do with all that. And I know a lot of people are in up in arms about like the animation studios being consolidated and the tax write-offs of certain projects and stuff. I, I think, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it, let's just say uh jury's still out. Anyways, Regarding the situation with those suspended over the fight, uh, this is the uh, fight at AEW's. Uh, is it all out or full gear? I can't remember anymore. Whatever. It was all out. Thank you. CM Punk, the Young Bucks, Ace Steel, and Kenny Omega. None of the five have heard anything from AEW, Chris. We're like nearly a month out now, right? Oh, at least. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that, I mean, I'm sorry, but like, there's not that much to investigate about the incident. It, it maybe lasted an upwards of 20 minutes in total. Uh, the, the actual dust up probably lasted under five to 10 minutes. Chris, I, Chris, I, I got a theory. They can't decide who to punish. Yep. Because they are really weighing, okay, if we tick off this side, then this side's going to leave. If we took off this side, this other side's going to leave. Oh, how do we split this baby, Solomon? <laughs> because we just signed John Moxley to a giant contract, but we don't want the Bucks and Omega leaving uh, to go to WWE necessarily. 
and we don't necessarily want Punk to leave and then badmouth us because you know, you know, as soon as Punk gets released, he's going on somebody's show to trash everybody. Right? Yeah, he's gonna the, the Colt Cabana <laughs> podcast about AEW is gonna get mondo. <laughs> mon- well, no, of course, like no, the, I'm just that- laughing at the Colt Cabana part of it. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, obviously we won't be using his platform. I don't think this time around, but. Yeah, like, you know, you think about what that Cole Cabana podcast did in terms of, like, podcasting numbers yes. in, in that era. I mean, like, it did stunning. Like, Punk is a massive ratings mover whenever he has, it, like, a – he always does. He always makes numbers, man. It got, like, ESPN coverage. It got, you know, it, it, it got mainstream the, – the, the podcast got mainstream coverage from sports outlets and stuff because everybody loved Punk and everybody loved the summer of Punk. And God knows Tony Khan, especially given this week with Ariel Hawani and that whole fallout, which we're not going to get into. They'll go listen to Flagship. They had a very good breakdown of everything with that. But look, he doesn't want Punk going on Ariel Hawani and trashing AEW. So yeah, I I think I look. Don't get me wrong. No, no, I, no beyond okay. So like I know we're not going into the, too, we're not but. going into the Hawani interview like like because other people have done it better or whatever. I guess my only thought is if you want. No, just like minor. It was just confirmation more so that like Tony Khan is not a guy who has a lot of answers right now. And that's a big problem as more and more questions start to pile up. Yes. And yeah, he just does, you know, there, yeah, there are any number of other issues in that interview, but like, dude, at a certain point, like people are going to start to question you if you keep going public and you're not able to answer things in a lucid way. Right. And it's not that, you know, like triple H doesn't have questions he needs to answer. I thought, again, I'm going to plug the flagship as if it needs plugging from us, but I think both Joe and rich came up, you know, no, it's a good, it's a good little show over there, Jeff. I, 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 they, they, they do a good work. I'd lo- I would love for more people to check them out. Uh, yeah. But, but you know, there, there were certain follow-up questions that, any journalist could ask Triple H about, you know, Vince McMahon getting ousted and stuff like that. And 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 look, Tony, there's probably still some legal ramifications that they need to get through in terms of employee employer relationship and perhaps executive type of compensation type of things. If they were going to do something as drastic as say fire the young bucks and Kenny, I'm not saying they're going to, but they're just going to cut. If they're going to cut everybody loose then it's much easier to cut loose punk than it is the officers of the company. And there might still be some, uh, some talking with legal about, okay, what can we do? What we, what can't we do and not get sued over it? So, but uh, yeah, like as an interviewer, right? Like this and Andrade and Sammy and the through line of those things over the last six weeks here, that is that is the main story. Like like you know, it, it, to ask questions about other things <laughs> is to do the goofy thing that all those reporters did at all out, where like this yes. like news stories occurring in front of them, and you're like, well, what about this MJF face turn that you guys seem to be teasing? <laughs> like, like come on, <laughs> you know. <laughs> The crowd really seemed to react to the acclaimed this week. Yeah, I. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> right, it, like, 
<laughs> Whistling through the graveyard. Hey, they, they, hey, did you see the elephant that's in that room over there? Nah, man. No, no way. No skeletons in those closets. <laughs> Keep moving. There, there are no bones and there are no elephants. Ask your questions. Yes, I am very excited to go to the UK someday with AEW. MJF has a very strong crowd connection that we look to <laughs> utilize over the next several quarters. <laughs> oh my goodness. Like, it's the only thing that's interesting about him right now. This is the thing you want to talk to him about. And so, and this is why you should refuse all interviews if you're not going to talk about anything. Right. No, it, yeah, <laughs> right. At the same time, I mean, it, it, because the the all it, it looks stronger to just refuse all these interviews than to go on there and, and basically no comment your way through that. What happened to transparency? Screw off! I got guys who are trying to kill each other in the back. I don't care about your damn. I don't care that that that, that AEW superfan six three two four five isn't getting a soundbite after a show. <laughs> I, I'm still amazed that there hasn't been like an announcement of new locker room backstage rules and policies. Oh, like, that, that won't leak for a while, but I'm betting that it might be some there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, it seems, it seems to me like that honestly should leak because it's, like it's, it, it yeah, would make, it, it would make, it would make Khan look like he's taking charge of this situation. Cause like right now, all of us, as we speculate about it, sort of think that like the background locker room climates or like the rules of the road are sort of more or less still the same. It sh- which it, it should is leak. nuts. It should leak, but Andrade hasn't been at TV. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh comings and goings. Um the good brothers are back at WWE. Yay. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, look, uh, some of us know how to appreciate art in the form of a Luke Gallows match. So <laughs> there, there are many of us who are very excited about this news. Yeah, they're, they're going to do, uh, you know, they teased a Bullet Club reunion, brought them back to fight the Judgment Day. What is sort of interesting, though, is that Carl Anderson is the never open weight champion, but it is expected that. Uh, that there there have been uh, deals made that uh, he will he will honor his dates and drop that title but but it is sort of intriguing to talk about what if papa h uh, put a little bug in new japan's ear about a working relationship and everybody right now screaming at their audio devices going oh no they only care about wwe blah 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 i get that and this is this is in no way any basis in reality but <laughs> they're not. I, I don't think a joint super show is imminent on the horizon, Jeff. But I do think that anyone who doesn't think that this like this sort of diplomatic situation can lead to a thawing of relations and like the pursuit of future business between these two companies the is missing. Answer. Yeah, especially with the failure of NXT Japan. Like no no I'm no, right. you're dead serious yeah yeah I'm dead serious especially with the failure of NXT Japan to launch like I think maybe Hunter reassesses and goes like you know it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if we did do some sort of joint show at some point and the answer to all your questions is money and New Japan would love to have some WWE money flowing through their coffers don't you know AEW money is nice 
but hey, <laughs> you know, I get up from business class to first class over here. So, you know, and, and oh, well, Forbidden Door was a nice, lovely little pay-per-view, but <laughs> there's money. Uh, yes, but, you know, that's just reckless speculation at this point. Appearing on- uh, but, but other oh. things that could happen is like the licensing of Bullet Club as a name and a property. <laughs> oh, could you imagine? Could you imagine Bullet Club shirts in the WWE shop? Oh, yes. man. Money talks, dude. Money talks, yeah. Uh, <laughs> God, the, the 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 amount of the the amount of vitriol from the internet wrestling community would be insane. Uh, since we tape on Friday evenings, we did not get to this, but Legato del Fantasma appeared on SmackDown, but not with uh, Electra. I wanted to say it's Electra Lopez, right? That's yes, Electra Lopez. I almost call her Carmen Electra. <laughs> Electra Lopez. Instead, Zelina Vega taking the place, at least for now. Um, upgrade, downgrade, or push, Chris? Push. And I would actually have both of them together. I kind of like, would, too. Yeah, yeah. you have you have the big one and the small one, and they both work together outside the ring to, like, cause mischief and help the team win. I think that that's kind of an interesting twist on the manager thing, where there's two of them. Yeah, I, Far be it for me to say that Electra Lopez is not a great wrestler. She's uh, good. She's improving. Far be it for me also to say that sex is not a part of wrestling. And that <laughs> Electra Lopez brings the sex in Legato del Fantasma. And, and would probably be a welcome addition to this act. Not that Zelina Vega isn't attractive, but having both of them on there where Zelina's Zelina's more presence than anything in terms of in terms of getting heel heat. Oh, she's um, a good talker. Yes. Yeah. She you knows she she can be the mouthpiece much better than Electra. No, I, I, I think like them as the dual headed manager actually makes a lot of sense. And then over on the AEW side at the uh, Rampage tapings, uh, this won't be out before Rampage, so you're not being spoiled, I don't believe. But uh, Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, and Maria showed up. <laughs> they are no, there. no, act, they yeah, are there. no, no act more dynamic than those. I things. mean that that is that is like saying we're going out for ice cream and you get vanilla. I I and, and that's no offense to any of those three, but it's just. We've had them in New Japan. We've had Taven as Ring of Honor champion. We've had Mike Bennett in WWE. We've had Maria a few times. And I I see friends of mine who are clamoring for Maria to be in AEW to help this women's division. And I'm just like, how? Well, she'd be a good presence backstage and this and then the other. I'm like, okay. But work situations are different every time you go in. So I, I just, it, it, there's not that resume that that i think people think she has to, to come in and change things in the women's division necessarily no um and the thing that like aew needs essentially is someone who can have the same level of presence as Britt baker like you need like a top level ringer which yes. you either have to home grow or you have to buy and maria's not either of those yeah the only person out there right now that could possibly be that person is sasha banks and i don't think she's coming because right. she's having too much fun playing model and actress right now, mm. um, going to her social media. So, and who knows if she's coming back to WWE at all? I, I have my doubts. I'm starting to doubt this now, Chris. I really am. 
But yeah, outside outside of Sasha, there's really no one who can come in and sort of do the thing that like, yeah, that roster on that side needs an infusion, but it's like a top level infusion. That's hard. It's That's like hard. one one person who could who could take who wouldn't get uh absolutely killed by Britt Baker doing her demeaning oh you think that i mean you know you could fight fire with fire and put charlotte in there but she's not going to be available but yes uh, you know someone who could hold hold their own with brit both in the ring and out of the ring and, yeah. and that's an issue uh for them no and wwe has most of those talents yes. that you would want right now under contract yes, whether sure. it's eo shirai or oscar or you know, charlotte uh sasha's like if anything, Sasha, Becky, yeah, Beck, yeah, like like all the Bianca. people, yeah, yep, <laughs> yep, yeah. every single one that you would want WWE has. Uh, I, I just don't know who the get is. Yeah, pretty much. And we we thought Tony might be it, but right now it's not looking that way. No, right? Yeah, we 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 thought Tony might be it, but I, they they just no, it's just not happening. That'll do it for the news part of the show. Now to go to the lazy river of wrestling criticism whatever we watched whatever we saw this week lots of things to choose from starting from last friday to now including battle of the belts ice cold takes on extreme rules if you so choose any of the weekly shows chris i will leave it to you to start the conversation hmm um I guess we can do extreme rules. Uh, you were very down on this show. Take me through your takes on why you were so down on uh, it. But... I'm, I'm down is possibly the wrong word in terms of the in-ring work. Because the in-ring work, it, it was perfectly fine. I, I, descri- I described it as exceptionally cromulent. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, I, I, the word cromulent immediately came to mind. <laughs> it, yes, it was It was fine with, 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 with the exception of the one thing being hugely above average for me was... Uh, Sheamus and the and the brawling brutes versus Imperium, which was just absolutely fantastic. And and these guys, I could watch them kill each other for for hours on end to my own endless amusement. Chris, oh no, that that opening match absolutely delivered for me. I it was it was so good. Uh, it was it was what I thought it was going to be and more. And like yes. I I very into this feud. They they can keep going. I mean, I even love some of the little I, like I love uh Kaiser. Uh, God, I always forget his name because I want to call him Axel Dieter or I want to call him something else. But uh, Kaiser, Kaiser Wilhelm, is that the name? Yeah, uh, all right. Uh, Ludwig Kaiser. Ludwig Kaiser. Thank you. Um, He just does so many things well in terms of also his selling because his goal, his his main goal is to be the guy who everybody kills. So, <laughs> yeah, he, he was great. Uh, the reason I was down in terms of my talking is because of storytelling in the raw women's title feud in general between Bianca and Bailey again love me some aunt pam so you will you will take this criticism to heart listeners i don't understand how they blew this story i really don't because you have two generational talents in io shirai and bailey and you have somebody who's very good in dakota kai you introduce them to massive amounts of heat at SummerSlam. You have Survivor Series planned for later in November. The story here writes itself. Heel group comes in 
runs roughshod over all the baby faces, takes all the titles, and becomes a dominant force in the WWE that needs to be stopped and requires a group effort to stop them. It is a very simple story to tell. And yet, Chris, in this ladder match, which I thought was okay, Bianca was getting a bit lost and had to be kind of be kind of be held by the hand a little bit by Bailey a little bit too much for my liking for it to be a a very good match. But the booking of this match was ridiculous in that Bianca took out both the tag champs and Bailey. Why do we need a war games involving these three if Bianca Belair can just come in and murder death them? And the thing is, this is Vince thinking slash how Triple H was booked. And that worries me a bit about the storytelling in WWE. Because remember, to get Triple H over, they'd always put him in there against the tag champs two on one, and he'd always beat the tag team champs and to make them dominant. It doesn't look being dominant doesn't make you good. Being good makes you dominant. And that is the mistake that I think WWE mistakes itself far too much in its storytelling when it's trying to build up feuds is that we have to make these people seem overpowerful when just being very, very good will make them dominant in and of itself. And I just don't see how... I think damage control is dead, Chris. I really do as a faction. And I think Io Shirai is starting to give looks to Bailey, like doubting her as a leader. And we're eventually going to get this contrived turn somewhere. Yeah. I, I just, I, it's like they were trying to be too clever here. Uh, Bailey needs to win the title off of Bianca, the money with yes. Bianca's in, in the chase. Yes. And you have the faction take over and take control. The tag team already has the belts. The leader of the group should have the belt. Her whole mission in life is to get the belt. And like, we, what is the point of prolonging this? But like, it, 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 why, you know, are, are we, are we down cycling them already? I don't think we are. I, I just, I don't, I just ne- did not see any wisdom in prolonging. Yeah. This. We don't, we don't want to see the chase of the heels. We, we don't, we want to see that. We're, we want to see how they're going to win it. And then once they win it, the, the, the money is in the baby faces going after what they've lost and trying to figure out this obstacle that's in front of them. And instead what we've gotten now is that, a prolonged heel chase, which just I, yeah. as I'm trying to like think about what that would book out to be, it's like what the heels injure the baby face, and then this time Bailey pins Bianca in a really anticlimactic way, yeah, and-, and steals the title. And oh, isn't she dastardly? Instead of wow, isn't she good? And has help with her. And it's yeah, I, I what's the point of beating them in, in a war games match though? Now because it's just like well, you know, we've seen Bianca take out three of them. And, and 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 she the, beat the leader too. Yeah, and and let me put it this way: if you if you want a if you want a parallel connection, look at how the golden role models were booked. The golden role models came out, became heels, won those tag titles, won the individual titles, and came out at week after week after week, and just said, "Hey, we're here. We're very very good. Come at us." And it was compelling television. 
That is how you use a heel group like that. They have the prototype right in front of them. And one of the people that was involved in that feud and they can't figure that out. And that worries me a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, the other, of- uh, the other big thing I mean, we have to talk about is Bray Wyatt. Sure. I think because the other matches, the other matches were good. I mean, edges, <laughs> I liked the edge match, but my God, does he, lo- do they love chewing the scenery? And in this case, the slow chew of the scenery where it's like, we can tell this story in 10 minutes, but we're going to take 25. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, the end of the match went on far too long, but, <laughs> but it was actually not bad. That, that, that's the thing is like, I, I enjoyed the work in that, but it went on too long. People are excited for Bray Wyatt, at least people in the WWE. The, the, we talked about the hiring of Rob Fee last week. I am now convinced that Triple H thinks that Bray Wyatt is his undertaker and is going to now book him as such. And and this is going to be Mr. Spooky and special effects and things like that. Where I don't know if people look, I don't know if people really liked the fiend. I mean, he was a merchandise machine. Don't get me wrong. I think people really wanted to see how the cult leader type thing. I think people liked Wyatt's promos and I think those will come here, but the whole, you know, <laughs> symbolism of the death of the fun house and then the live action characters, which there are rumors of who the, who the Wyatt six are. Um, I'm starting to think more and more it leans more towards it's it's the dyad, the schism, Grayson Waller, you know, and, and those people that are doing this with them. I, I kind of agree versus main roster people or people that they're bringing back. I think it's a big NXT call up type thing. You know, the, the contrived, you know, oh, the buzzards in the audience here, the bunny. I don't think people want to see Bray Wyatt and six bad Sid Marty Croft puppets. You know, li- live action in suits like Sweetums from the Muppets surrounding them. I, th- I think they just kind of want a badass Bray Wyatt with, with a heel stable kind of being a bad cult leader as opposed to Swamp Wizard <laughs> uh, horror movie icon Bray Wyatt. But uh, your thoughts on just how they reintroduced him? Yeah, I, I think people are ready for a Bray Wyatt that's focused on Bray Wyatt, and I do worry that the Ministry of Swampness is not the right way to go here. That, and uh, I was going to mention something else here. Uh, Bray looks like he's gained about 30 pounds. And <laughs> not, look, not that... How, how am I going to put that? How am I going to dig out of this hole? Uh, not that big men can't be good workers and not that they can't move in the ring. He just looked like he had gained a lot of weight while he he was off, off uh, while he was cut. And, it didn't look like mobile weight. I'll put it that way. Yes. I'm with you. Yeah, that and, and um, I think I'll expound a little bit on, on a little bit, again, what the flagship was saying here, but much like Alistair Black and or slash Malachi Black and how he spoke about him in both AEW and WWE. I think I think there's I think there's gonna be certain reins that have been taken off of Bray and his creative instincts here. And I'm not sure 
Bray's instincts without a guiding hand are good. I I think we're going to get more of this supernatural creepy stuff here. And I think it might go a little bit. I mean, we, we just hired a, a, a director of lore in, in Rob V to help write this type of stuff, which has me a bit concerned. And we know that Bray has some very idiosyncratic hobbies, such as mini raising miniature horses. I mean, that's a real life thing that he does in his life uh, <laughs> that are very expensive and why he probably needed to come back to WWE. So I, I, I'm, I'm very, I don't mind creative control, but I, I, I think I need, I need a showrunner with a firm hand who will say yes and no. And then the talent will trust him to say, okay, I get your, I get your weird creative instincts. I will help guide them. And I'm not sure that Triple H is necessarily the guy who can do that. No, I, I I share your concerns. Uh, I'm very lukewarm on the re-debut right now, but it's super early. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything. I mean, other than that, you know, the live Ronda match was <laughs> dreadful. Yeah. Yeah. Preposterous and dreadful and, and very bad. And live should have won that match. The, the fight pit match. I thought was <laughs> It's almost like, hey, how would you normally book a special referee in a match? And, hey, we're going to fight against that because that's what everybody else would do. Daniel Cormier did nothing in this match. And I'm just like, well, what was the point of that then? I know. That was the weird part. Like, like the, the whole point of that was for him to, like, push both these guys back. Yeah. Sort of loom over them and go, like, you're not here to fight me. And then they both back down to him. Right. I thought it made them both look smaller. Yeah. Uh, and I, I have no other notes on on extreme rules, so I will uh, I will defer to you as to the next place we're gonna go. Um. Okay. Let's do uh, let's do a little dynamite here. Okay. Um. We've already. What do we think about the MJF face turn tease thing? Oh, I don't think it's a face turn, but I I did have a question about this because I really really liked this promo. I did. And and I like that he is. It's interesting that they've decided to now rush, and we talked about this last week. They they've decided to rush the the firm MJF issues to a head within two weeks of each other. Yeah. And then when MJF starts cutting his promo, he's fantastic to me when he's cutting it in the camera. Now here's here's the creative beat. If I was scripting this out, that I'd question if he came to me with this promo. The one where he goes, where where he talks about being a little bit self-loathing. When he looks in the mirror, I hate myself too. And I don't know, do do we want self-loathing MJF where he hates himself? Is it a beat of self-realization by the villain? Or do we want someone more like, and and I hate to use this because it's just a Mount Rushmore promo, but Ric Flair where it's like, I get up every morning and I love being me. And I love being evil and I love being a jerk because I know I'm better than you. I mean, that's the other beat I would have had. I would have ended the, wanted to end the promo as opposed to generational talent with I'm better than you and you know it. But I think generational talent might, I think you might be right on this face turn thing, even though I don't think, I think, I think this company needs a major league heel. And I think MJF is it. But uh, you know the promo overall was spectacular. It was just that was the no. One it was it was very no. I'm I have actually no notes on the promo itself. MJF continues to be quite good. I, I, 
even like that Wheeler Yuta thing, the issue is not MJF doing his job poorly or anything. It's just right. that Wheeler Yuta was completely outclassed by a far better, more talented guy. And uh, I thought that this was good again. Uh, I do think like we are at least playing the seeds for an eventual phase turn for MJF. Um, and it, it's it's interesting. Uh, it, it's It's a move. I think it just doesn't feel like they know like when they started the pairing of MJF and the firm, I don't think they really knew what they were doing with it. And okay. I think they're like trying to make a story. Now they're trying to make fetch happen. Yes. They're trying to catch up to it. They, we, we have this idea. This is how we're going to get out of this uh, chip thing on the ladder. Yeah, This is how we're going to get through this ladder match finish. And then we'll figure right. out, we'll figure out how this makes sense in the intervening weeks. And I mean, time has time is wearing on. I could not. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll get into that point in a second. Uh, my other two points about dynamite are, are fairly quick. Nyla Rose is fantastic on promos. I just, and uh, in her social media as well. Uh, she might be what, what the division needs because I absolutely adored this promo <laughs> and how she was reacting to people and how she reacted to Anna J coming in and challenging her. Uh, her acting chops are big because I believe she was in the theater scene in the Washington DC, Northern Virginia area when she got signed. Um, I enjoyed that. And I'll leave my, th- my third one's about the Garcia quote unquote turn, but I'll, I'll uh, any comments about Nyla Rose? No, no, I I'm with you though. I thought she, she was actually a fresh presence on here. We'll see how I feel about her when she gets back in the ring, but she's, like back she's backstage, co-opted, she's co-opted the B I T C H thing in her social media. And it's great. I don't know nice. if you saw that tweet, but it's like her social media game is on point and so strong that she might be the one to be able to finally get this division a little bit of a spark. Uh, the Daniel Garcia no. thing was ridiculous. I thought so too. Good. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's where I was going to go next. Uh, it, it's just he needed to. There, it just makes no sense whatsoever for him to go back to the Jericho Appreciation yeah. Society at this point. I'm not sure if he is necessarily, but let me pause the naysayers here because I can hear I've I've heard the I've heard everybody break this down and go, well, you know what he did was he realized Jericho was right and that sports entertainers can be professional wrestlers. That doesn't forgive Jericho for hitting him in the head with a belt. I'm sorry, it doesn't. And if they're going to do a story where it's like, okay, Garcia doesn't like being put in the middle of this whole kind of thing. And Yuta doesn't like being a young boy in the Blackpool combat club. And they decide to unite together. I'm cool with that as a nuanced story. And I'm willing to go along with it and see how it plays out like that. If he's just going back to the Jericho appreciation society, it's a mistake. Cause it's the same thing we saw with Wardlow. And now even with Jamie Hayter, where it's like people are dying for this person to turn and you got to give it to them. Otherwise, by the time we get back around to it, it's just not going to be as hot. And to pull this move, I think really, it it really kind of chilled him off a little bit, pulled him off a little bit in in the eyes of the fans in terms of now when he becomes face, is he going to be Paul Orndorff or he's just going back and forth at at a whim? I, I just didn't understand this. No, it it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me, and and this just felt like a way of getting Jericho's march through all the former Ring of Honor champions to continue, but not really thinking 
not really thinking about the story you've been telling for the last several weeks or the story you're trying to tell for the next several weeks, it's just, it, which is to say this is a sort of week-to-week sort of move that maybe felt like it made sense in a discreet moment. But, yes, you brought up a very good point. Jericho hit Daniel Garcia in the head with a belt. He has done nothing in the intervening weeks to win Daniel Garcia back after that. Yeah. The 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 reuniting was completely undeserved. And there's there's nothing that a promo next week can do to make that make sense. And even if they do, it's going to be just trying to add in plot that hasn't been there in the past several weeks. I have some unrepentant stupidity to talk about, and it's not just the thing that you know about. Because there was lots of really good unrepentant stupidity in wrestling, and I must give praise to it. Now, I can't talk Chris into this, but I adored the Serpentico-Brandon Cutler match on AEW Dark Elevation. I howled. I laughed. It was so stupid. It was like they decided to rib everybody in AEW. To the point where it, it might be in my top five matches of the year. I know that's overpraise. I know Chris is, I can hear Chris's teeth grinding in my cans right now because he's just watching like, no, this is dumb. I don't like it. I was like, I understand. If it was a parody <laughs> of tropes of AEW matches done in a more pointed satirical way, I would be on board with it. But like. I don't know. I don't really feel okay. like they were in on the joke. And it's fine. Nevertheless, I will get to two more stronger instances of unrepentant stupidity that I love, even though one breaks one of my cardinal rules. And that's this one. Sammy Zayn and the Usos on Raw, where he goes, where he goes that Jay Uso lately hasn't been very Usy. <laughs> that and 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 when he said yeet like the the way the way he says yeet is so funny like he's he's very funny i i i love those uso bloodline uh segments every week they're they're great that roman loves sammy now this is the way that we thought would be more interesting and it is to me and i i i and i think and jay keeps screwing things up yes i i think sammy's a little bit too over the top here for my liking at times but i get it it has to be played big like this I'd kind of like him to calm down and realize he's annoying everybody while doing it. But at the same time, I kind of don't want him to stop doing that because this, the fact that this thing got over is so amazing in its own self, because most people would just turn on this as stupid, but it's, it's so damn brilliant that I I absolutely adore this. Uh, It makes his matches really fun too, because they become this sort of bizarro world where he wrestles as a heel, but everyone reacts to him as a baby face. But weirdly in the context of the story that they are telling, it makes perfect sense. And so it makes for a very fun break uh, in the continuity of the show. I I enjoy this stuff a lot right now. And then (laughs) over on NXT, Chris, I have to bring this up because this is so unrepentantly stupid and it was even more stupid that it got brilliant. Y'all know my theory on Kiana James and her character. Kiana James lives in a 90s porno world where there's no sex. Kiana James and her buxom assistant, I don't believe they've given her an on-screen name, but her name is Giovanna Borneo in real life. 
uh, a judoco from Brazil uh, with certain enhancements that men love, uh, <laughs> which fits into the Brazzers narrative. Well, Chris, Kiana James is going to buy the land on which Chase U is bought is built to take Chase U away from it. This is such 80s cheeseball comedy that I half want Chase U to say, we need to put on a show to save the university. Now, I want this- Mr. Chase goes to Washington. Oh, that'd be fantastic. But Chris, I think it gets even better because I think they may go hardcore into the porno world. And I think... <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I don't think there's going to be anything on screen or anything like that. But I think either either Mr. Andre Chase or Bodie. Bodie. Is going to be seduced by one Bodie of these gets women. Su- no, Bodie Keanu. Is be seduced. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, Keanu seduces Bodie. Yeah. Oh, or, 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 or the secretary seduces Bodie. Oh, my God. It's going to be pornolicious, and it's going to be fantastic. It's fantastically bad. <laughs> Miss James, a Bodie is here to see you. But this Andre Chase character, it really works. It, 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 it it's a good character. It's fun. I kind of want to see. I kind of want to see Kiana and Giovanna be the cure of the intermittent rage issues of Andre Chase. But I think Bodie's the call here, and it puts it puts a schism in between her and uh, Thea, who is fantastic. Here, I, I just. <laughs> Hey, Kiana. <laughs> She's yes, no. Thea's, Thea's also very good. Like, no, all, the thing about the Chase U act is that Bodhi is very good at this character, and Thea is very good yes, at her character. And Andre's very good at this character. No, I know. Yeah, like the reason it works is because all three of these people are playing their characters at like 10 out of 10 levels right now. Do you have anything on NXT? Because I have a couple more things if you wanted to. Um, it is the, the Stax Lorenzo thing is like really funny to me. <laughs> like it, it, the the promo in the back with Tony and Stax cracked me up. Like, who am I fighting? I'll fight anyone. Uh, trying to think. I, I, I also some, enjoyed oh. Pretty Deadly. Pretty yeah. Deadly doing the uh, grandstanding. Go sports. Go sports. <laughs> like, yes. I I don't like Booker T on commentary. But the moment Grayson Waller hit the sidekick and and, and you, you hear Booker T under his breath go, what the hell was that? I no, he I was don't. really he was really bad all throughout the show. My my favorite was when he inexplicably went heel on Idris Anofi and Malik Blade. <laughs> that that just and to the point where like Vic is kind of like trying to reel him back yeah. in sort of like I don't really know yeah. how to play off of this dude you need to stop you're ruining it because they already have a dumb gimmick where one guy just wears a sweater vest and the other guy's an athlete they have no real gimmick other than being dumb and so and this is the type of thing that that uh Booker T lays into because he hates characters like this that don't have any motivation so he thinks he's pushing them in some way in terms of pushing them to come up with something or do something, and it's and he's not. It, it's kind of uh, it's kind of burying this, uh, and and in other bad turns. But I found the unrepentant stupidity of it great. Uh, Roddy Strong doing the Ron Wright. 
thing in in the hospital. <laughs> if they if this has been a ruse the entire time, and he put himself in a hospital for a few weeks just to get at the diamond mine, this is method acting uh, we haven't seen since James Dean, Chris. <laughs> Yeah, don't don't think about it too hard. But yeah, yeah. It, 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 what if kind that, of quacks are at this hospital that don't see that Roddy's faking this whole? Um, <laughs> I I like Valentina Feroz. She yells a lot, uh, but I like her. Oh, uh, I'm here for Veer and Sanga. Yeah, Veer and Sanga l- like them reunited as well. Uh, I think they should be baby faces though, a baby face monster team, which sounds preposterous. But how are you gonna boo? How are you gonna boo Sanga? At, especially at this point. Um. But yeah, like uh, other things. Uh, JC Jane, I like the kind of style that she was working in this match, where she was f- trying to fight Alba Fire straight up. Like she wasn't like a scared heel or like I'm gonna cheat or whatever. She like tried to fight Alba Fire straight yeah. up. Yeah. Got o- got overpowered, but like that was that's the right match style for her. Yeah, my my other notes are are backtracking to AEW. So my my one note sure. was, was what this is what I'd say. I, I watched a, a little bit of AEW Dark because I watched the women's match and there was a very good six women squash on there. And if I'm Jamie Hader, I'd go to Tony Khan and I'd say, pay whatever you need to to get Brittany Blake on a show on Wednesday, and then I'd slip Brittany ba- Blake another hundred because Brittany Blake made Jamie Hader look like Vader on AEW Dark. She just, she just looked like a power person, killing this poor like a like Vader beating up a monkey. That's that's how well Brittany Blake made Jamie Hader look like a million bucks. If they were ever gonna try and get Jamie over as a babyface singles act, I'd put I, the first match I'd book would be her versus Brittany Blake, um, as just a total squash, and she would be over like Rover in my opinion. Okay. I, but really, and Emmy Sakura just is the queen of AEW Dark. She just chops the crap out of people. Go watch her. Oh, oh, yeah. One other. Uh, did you get to watch Battle of the Belts at all? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Well, uh, what, what I thought Jade had her. I thought Jade Jade Cargill had her best match with Willow Nightingale. I just don't think you can. We we were saying that maybe Willow should beat Jade, but she's already lost to Jade three times now. We we got to build the fourth time up now. I, the third time should have been the charm, right? Who, it is I mean I, Willow gets a great reaction. Don't get me wrong, but just, no, it's it, it boggles the mind that this Jade thing has gone this long with no clear end game. There were end games, but they were ruined. You know, right. it was it was Statlander, and then they had no plan B, and now they're looking around, going, "Okay, who's going to be this person?" And, and if Shafir hadn't laid an egg, like Shafir was built the right way, but like obviously that was a dud. It might be Nyla. It might be Nyla now that I think they may just go through with it, have her dump the baddies and make Jade a baby face and see what they have in her. W- would that be the way to go here? I don't know. Cause I kind of think like eventually you like don't want to have Jade and Hater on the same side of the roster. One of that's them should true. be a baby face and one that's, of them should be heel. That's very, very true. And then all you have is Brit. Right. No, <laughs> no. I, I mean, the, the, like, there are certain people in the division who would like that, but like, no, I, I think if you're going, what is the AEW roster of tomorrow look like? It, it's got to be Hater and Jade as the two pillars of it with Baker as, you know, like the very important 1A. Chris has to get to a gig, so we're going to end I do. there. Uh, you can follow me at Crap Game 13. You can follow Chris at DWATG and just follow the show 
at Shake Them Ropes. We are part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. I am on Fight Game Media, fight or patreon.com slash fight game media for five bucks a month. I do the Dynamite Show with Paul Fontaine, hot takes on AEW, where we go granular on AEW Dynamite every week. That might not be for some people, so I just bring the hits over here and do them on Shake Them Ropes. Chris also does other projects, but I think uh, is is don't worry on hiatus. Yeah, kind of right now. Uh, you can still go and sub up at patreon.com slash DWATG. When I get back to doing it, your buck a show will go to me and you will get a new podcast and the video version of it. If you want guitar lessons, go to instagram.com slash doctor underscore nov, D-O-C. T-O-R underscore Nove. Um, you can message me on Instagram for guitar lessons uh, or keep up with all of my musical going-ons over there. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.